it's October 1st, 2019, uh, and this is Anime is for Jerks, uh, and I'm Cass. I'm Alex, and I have a cold. You have a cold? I just got over a cold. Uh, and this month, we are talking about, uh, wolf children, which I, <laughs> I should really bring up the, the Wikipedia <laughs> for this. So much for you being prepared. Yeah, I know. I'll just, I'll, I'll just fucking cut all that out. Uh, and this post. month, and, and this month, we're talking about Wolf Children, directed by Mamoru Hosoda. Uh, it's a 2012 Japanese animated film. Alex, did you like this? Did you like this movie? Yeah, so I'd seen it before, but oh, you had? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it'd been like five years or so. Uh, so yeah, a friend of mine when I was in grad school uh, showed me this and Summer Wars, his earlier film. Yes, uh, and <clears throat> have you seen Summer Wars? I have not. I have okay. not seen any Mamoru Hosoda films. It's pretty. It's it's pretty silly by comparison. Um, so I remember. I remember liking this, and uh, I wanted to see like how it held up, uh, and I still like it. I. I mean, I. I thought about it harder this time, and I have some some questions at least but overall i still think it's a good movie um i i like this movie uh yeah i thought it was pretty good um it was it was kind of exactly what i was expecting so i had not seen this movie before the only exposure that i'd had to what this movie was about was there is an a very old every frame of painting video about the lateral tracking shot in this movie uh, which we will get to when we get to that scene, because it's excellent. Um, but that video doesn't contain any plot information, so I didn't even know until... I, I learned this, like, six months ago, completely independent of anything. I did not even know that this movie was about, like, a woman who has sex with a werewolf and it has uh, half-wolf children. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know that that was any about anything like that. I thought the title was perhaps metaphorical. You didn't know this was a furry film. I didn't know this was a film for fucking furries, uh, who can do infinite crime. <laughs> um, so yes, so, so yes, so this movie, uh, what happens in this movie? So there's this, there's, one thing that I noticed almost immediately was, this is the, f- I think the first Japanese animated anything that I've ever seen that is even partially set in a university. Ah, interesting. Um... Because it feels like in anime, um, characters are either high schoolers or they're adults or they're like in space or whatever. <laughs> you know, like they yeah, like that's, hi- that's they have, they're orthogonal to school. Like yeah, you get like the high school romances, and then they might do like a time skip to college at the last chapter or whatever. Uh, but no. you rarely have like a college setting for yeah. And even though only like the first twenty minutes if that of this movie are set at a university um and they're not even really about a university it was definitely it was strange because it was a bunch of stuff that i had just never seen about japan before right um, and so yeah this so it is a film not a series and it and it covers yes. 12 12 years i think so yeah. it it has to move pretty quickly at times yeah because it, it's it begins with uh the woman hana meeting the wolf man who she in, does not know is a wolf man in college, and then that whole thing, and then it, and then it follows 
uh, the children they have and as the children kind of come of age. So that's the kind yeah. of the scope of the, of yeah. the story. So yeah, so Hannah meets this guy in, in, her, in her philosophy class. Uh, <laughs> talking about Socrates. Talking about Socrates. I thought of you immediately. <sighs> um, and the other thing that I bet immediately happens is, um, you get the narrator, which is this movie is narrated by Yuki, who is one of the the wolf children, the daughter, um, the daughter, and yes. the older one. This is the only thing that I hate about this movie. I hate. The, the narration in this movie. I think it's bad. It's, I mean, um, yeah, having having narration like that feels like a kind of a narrative. Yeah. There's a bit, at the very, very end, like the like emotional climax of this movie, it feels the need to have narration come in and be like, this was a very emotionally important moment for our mother. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I couldn't tell that from the filmmaking. Yeah. It's so annoying. It's, it's very much like, um, I know you hate Blade Runner, but in the original cut of, in the, like, theatrical cut of Blade Runner, there was this awful narrator that was just, like, all over everything, and so, like, all of these, like, really emotionally effective scenes, like the fucking Roy Batty, Tears in Rain monologue, and then there's just, like, uh, Deckard just, like, narrating over it, just being like, this is a really important, memorable scene, this guy really experienced a lot in his life, and it's like, yeah, I couldn't tell that from how brilliant the monologue was. <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as say I hate Blood the because, like, I only got 20 minutes in and I was like, this is obnoxious and boring. I'm going to stop. I'm pretty uh, sure on our serial experiments land episode, you said, I hate Blade Runner. Yeah. I was probably just trying to rile you up. Uh, but yeah, so it, it reminds me a lot of, of, because this movie doesn't need its narration really. Right. right. You know, it doesn't, it, it occasionally conveys information, but honestly, most of that information gets conveyed by like visually and it, through dialogue as well because like one thing that i noticed i i when i when i watch stuff usually um i will take notes that are like sort of jokes or general observations and then when i need to like remember specific scenes or dialogue i'll take screenshots and i found myself taking screenshots of almost every dialogue exchange in this movie because there is not a wasted line mm -hmm. in this movie like every word that characters say is important and carries information <laughs> Um, and so I wind up with way too many screenshots. Which makes it funny that they, he felt the need to have narration. Yeah. Which like, like, yeah, I mean, there's, it's, um, I was, I was going to say that this is like, the pacing is very good. And like, despite the fact that it covers 12 years in two hours, it works. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I, this movie was also longer than I was expecting it to be. Yeah. Um, you know, like I don't, I, because of the scope of the time that it covers, I don't think that it could have been shorter than two hours. Right, right. Uh, you know, it's it's the rare movie that's this long that justifies its length. Because it feels like, and I've complained about this before, I think, on the podcast or on streams or whatever, about how every movie has to be three hours long now because it has to feel like a momentous event. <laughs> and you have to go and it has to be a whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, so you wind up with the fucking Avengers movies, which are all two and a half hours long for no fucking reason. Right. Um... Because there's nothing, there's nothing in them that justifies that length. They just need to take up space because in order to justify the amount of money that's spent on them. Um, but this movie actually just like it has a subject matter that justifies the length of time. Um, so yeah, so Hana is work is is a student at a university. She's in a philosophy class and she sees this guy who is like furiously taking notes. Um, and realizes that he, and learns that he is not a student at the university and that he is just sort of like stealthily sneaking into classes. Um, 
and then leaving. Um, and she decides to help him out and let him borrow her textbook uh, transparently as an excuse to get to get to know him better because she thinks he's hot. <laughs> it's um, so like yeah, it, she, it, she lends him her, her textbook. She sneaks him into the library. Uh, and yeah. so and like I yeah. often don't like montages. It, it yeah. feel it feels again kind of like um, I don't saying a narrative crutch is ableist. Um, what's <laughs> what's the alternative? Um, I, like it's it feels like it. it, it the story could be told more like better and more efficiently um, with just kind of like short evocative scenes. But anyway, it, that's kind of what you have here though. You mostly have like, there are, it's like sort of montage intercut with these sort of like scenes that, of like important moments yeah. in their relationship because this, like you get a bunch of scenes of them going on dates and like, and just like hanging out and stuff like that. And uh, it's it's mostly because like we need to move through this because this isn't the, the it's important that you're emotionally invested in this relationship because otherwise the rest of the movie doesn't work but also this isn't the point of the movie right but yeah so they they get closer and then um, she invites him to live with her because he's he's talked about he talked about how like he's like he's never had like a proper home of his own uh, and that he'd like to be able to like come homes. Uh, relax and everything and she's like well I could say welcome home and then that freaks him out obviously because he he's a wolf man and he assumes he assumes she'll react like everyone else does because uh, she is because he's been propagandized the way that the rest of us have into believing that all women aren't monster fuckers which is just false <laughs> <laughs> exactly and yeah. so, um, if there's one thing I know about women, it's that they love to fuck monsters. And because Hana is a all no, is a normal Japanese girl, she is extremely horny for monsters. Yeah, she loves to fuck monsters because who doesn't? And so, when he finally breaks down and tells her, she's like, "Chill." Yeah, he turns into a wolf, and then she's like, "Cool, this is even better." <laughs> It's a I mean, bonus. We're we're, be, we're being flippant, but yeah, like, we're being flippant. Yeah, uh, like it's an emotionally effective scene. Right. Um, yeah, there are in also in these sort of opening in these opening moments because this this mostly takes place in, in I believe Tokyo, um, like the 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 beginning part of this movie. Yeah, um, mostly takes place in Tokyo, and so there are a lot of people on the screen, um, and they are they the 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 not people who aren't important characters look very bad <laughs> awful they are awful 3d people and awful 3d cars i hate i hated looking at all of it for a hot <laughs> second like the opening shot of this movie is really really nice and i wrote a note that was like oh this movie is gorgeous and then it cut immediately to hana walking down the street with a bunch of awful 3d people and i was like and then i deleted that note and replaced it with ah awful 3d people <laughs> yeah like the 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 2d style is is very nice uh, yeah like it's a it's a very distinctive uh style but because this is a modern anime they try and do silly things with 3d yeah uh, uh we'll get to some more of them um but once they yeah once they get out to the countryside and there's less to draw the art the, the movie just looks way better instantly because they yeah. they are doing more landscape painting and and more uh, and fewer characters in shots mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. Which lets them spend more time on each of them instead yeah. of having to use a computer to render 
40 people. Right. So why, um, so why do they have to go to the country? Yes. So Hannah gets pregnant. Um, and this is one of the few moments where they don't feel the need to like butt in and be like, Hannah's pregnant. Yeah. They do like a really, a very good use uh, of kind of silent storytelling. Yeah, like there's, they're all sort of, there's no dialogue and there's, there's several shots that sort of imply this and then it cuts to like her, she goes to the library, Hannah goes to the library and takes out some books on, on giving birth at home. Right, so she, uh, she, she has morning sickness, uh, then she goes to the hospital and then you see her kind of looking through the doors of the hospital, realizing like, I'm carrying a fucking wolf baby. Yeah. Back, back, back Homer style out of the hospital. Uh, and then goes to the library and checks out books on home birth. And then you see, yeah, uh, yeah, because she's worried that she's going to give birth to a wolf. Um, wolf um, husband never has a name, does he? I think if you if I it's it, like you see his driver's license. Oh, um, that becomes really important later. But I don't read Japanese, so I don't know what his name is. Um, well, we I can. can <laughs> I bet I could check on Wikipedia. Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia. Wikipedia just describes him as an enigmatic man. An enigmatic man. Okay, so I guess, yeah, he doesn't have a name. Um, so yeah, and then there's there's a really fantastic shot of Wolfman uh, running, just positively sprinting down the street holding two cans of peaches. Um, <laughs> it's excellent. It's really good. Uh, it's really cute. Like, the opening of this movie is really cute, and you... you basically, yeah, so they, they have their first child, Yuki... Um, at home, and then, uh, and then se- a couple of years pass. I think it's just one, and she's pregnant again. Yeah, one year. Yeah, or, one or two years. Or yeah, because it, has it? Oh yeah. The, by the end of it, like Yuki's, are they, is she supposed to be twi- Is it twelve and ten? Are they at the end of the film? Is that? The I ages? think so. I know Ame is ten. I don't know how old Yuki is. I know. I'm pretty sure she's twelve because she's in middle school. She's in sixth okay, grade. So so uh-huh. so they have kids two years apart yes um and and also immediately after ame is born there's a, a another incredible shot where wolfman walks into their apartment door holding like a fucking pheasant <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he went he went hunting he went hunting and brought home a whole a whole pheasant no this is no this is before this is before ame is born and he like he like comes home with this like whole bird and then like plucks the bird cuts <laughs> like cuts it into pieces and then makes like chicken ramen oh, for right, yeah. she's too sick um, She's um, too sick to like cook, so he goes and <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, makes some chicken ramen. <laughs> and she's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> but it tastes good. Uh, so yeah, so then a couple years later, they get pregnant again uh, with Ame, and then the day that Ame is born, uh, Wolfman goes out. And then he is killed. Right. Out. Uh, and, and she finds this out. She basically, um, she's like, hey, where the hell is my, my perfect wolfman husband? Um, and goes outside and sees that he's left groceries and his wallet by the door. And, and she's like, well, that's weird. Uh, and then she walks down the street and goes to look for him. And then she sees him in his wolf form killed by the side of the road or like in a drainage ditch yeah in a, um, in a canal and it's, yeah. it's the same canal that they had like in a that um a couple interactions earlier yeah. in their college days so that's why yeah. she knew where to look uh, yeah and he and so and then there's like some like garbage men 
like ta- taking his corpse and like putting it in a bag and throwing it in the back of the truck. Um, and she she has to be all like, "That's not a wolf. That's my husband." And of course, they don't believe her. I mean, yeah, this is there, there, there's no dialogue here, so yeah. But it's it's again a very effective use of yeah. It's it's uh, a really effective yeah. It's all gesture and sort of visually told. Right. You can tell exactly like like through the way she's acting without saying anything. What's how it's es- like how her her panic is escalating from where's my husband to oh holy shit my husband is dead and now i have to raise these two wolf wolf children by myself yeah um so last time i said uh that the the when when you brought up wolf children i said that the the gif of the girl from the lo-fi hip-hop beats to study and relax to video Uh was from this movie (laughs) so the one that i was thinking of is not um so the, the 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 most popular one of those streams is the chilled cow one, and that gif is not from this. But there is another stream, or are various other streams that use the gif of uh, Hannah studying in. Um, oh, when she keeps falling like, asleep and waking up. When again? she keeps falling asleep and stuff like that. Yeah, there was another uh, there was another stream that that uses that used that gif. So yeah, so this this period of the film is like her, like. Tr- trying valiantly to raise two very unusual children while also yeah. like well she drops out of college um, yeah and quits her job her perfect wolf husband has a few savings left so she can live on those and so but she's still completely over overwhelmed um, yeah could try yeah. to trying to learn like child care and animal care <laughs> yeah there's an incredible incredible scene where i think it's yuki gets sick yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and yeah. She, she goes to to the hospital well, she goes and to the intersection <laughs> she goes to the intersection and there's this incredible fucking edgar wright ass whip pan from the animal hospital to the children's hospital and then back and forth as she tries to figure out where to take the children and then decides instead to just call poison control on the payphone yeah 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 it's, uh, it's, it's, it's so good it's, it's fucking hilarious yeah like uh yeah, that's that's another like of the just brilliant cinematic like that, that yeah the pan back and forth uh, yeah um, and so the kids are making a lot of noise which is bothering the other tenants in the apartment that she's living in uh, and they're also howling because they're wolves. <laughs> Um, and she gets in trouble with the landlord who says that nope. there's no pets allowed in the apartment. And she's like, I don't have any pets. <laughs> and, uh, and the landlord's like, don't lie to me. I know what's going on. And it's like, no, you don't. And uh, then even worse, um, like child protective services shows up. Well, yeah. I'm not sure if that's what they call it in Japan, but that's yeah, like but essentially yeah. because they've never, they've never gotten their vaccines or even probably even been to a doctor. And yeah. they're like, "What the fuck, lady?" Uh-huh. And here, yeah, here is where I, where I, where I um, started thinking more closely about kind of the broader kind of analogies um, that this film, yeah, touches on, and um, like obviously were on Hana's side. Um, yeah. And then my first my first impulse was like, but can you blame the social workers for like being concerned? No. Fuck uh, the landlord, but don't fuck the social workers. Right, fuck the landlord. But but then I was thinking, like, if this if this is 
like a story about how society deals with the like the other um then i mean we like most society america but i think at least japanese society has at least a reputation for being more conformist than um than the than, than most and so like if 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 these wolf children are are to be read as symbols of a of of human minority populations then yeah like i wouldn't be surprised if at least in in the past like social workers i mean certainly in the west in the US. social, yeah, social workers in the US, yeah. have like in interceded when parents try to raise kind of either differently abled or like transgender or other children in an affirming way and and society prevents that so yeah uh, if that like in that case then um if we if we read it that way then it it justifies our defense of hana in yeah slamming the door in their goddamn faces yeah because i i think that like it, it all depends on how useful you find being secretly a wolf a meta as a metaphor for being different <laughs> yes uh in some way um because it, it it is you can read it in a, as a metaphor for a lot of different things which i think makes it both useful and not useful yes 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 um it is it, like it's useful in the sense that like you can read this as in this story as a metaphor about like gender or racism or like unusual anatomy or all, all sorts of things um that are that are like real but you can also not specifically read it as a metaphor for any of those things because it's it's a metaphor for all of those things right and so that kind of dilutes the yeah uh the import of or the impact of the thing but this but this movie doesn't one thing that i i think is good is that this movie doesn't do the like fantasy racism thing at all yeah you know like it's it's very much it's much more in like the magical realist tradition and it's it's much more like it's it's not concerned with like directly painting being secretly a wolf as a metaphor for uh like being like not white for instance yeah uh yeah. which is like like and you can contrast this with with other stories like the one that comes to mind whenever i think of this is the the horrible very bad adventure game read only memories Um, which has like its decision is like okay our metaphor for racism is furries in the future there are people who are furries and they're discriminated against um and it's bad because they want to have it both ways and have like both a world where like queer people and people of color are accepted and there's no discrimination but also talk about discrimination because it's a thing that people experience in in real life and so they want to imagine both of these worlds simultaneously and the solution that they come up with is well everything's fine for all historically marginalized groups but we've just invented this new group that is that is marginalized for no reason because we don't understand that like marginalization happens for historical reasons and it doesn't just like come out of nowhere god yeah uh, yeah, uh, last podcast we talked. I talked briefly about that book, Fledgling, by Octavia mm-hmm. Butler, and yeah, it it. I mean, the yeah, Octavia Butler is a black woman, and so she, and she's a intelligent writer, so she's smart enough to avoid this. And what how it begins is that the main character wakes up with amnesia, not knowing what happened. She learns that her entire family was murdered, uh, and that she escaped badly injured, and that and the the 
her head injury caused memory loss. And at first, she's like, well, was this humans afraid of vampires who are like, and so, and she's, she's a, a black girl. And so, and so you think maybe that this could be like, oh, vampires are black people. But no, it turns out that it's actually other vampires who attack them because she was black, specifically. Uh, and so it it is a much more kind of intelligent and subtle. Yeah, that's way more uh, interesting than story. vampires as a metaphor for black people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's so there's there's that scene, and and so basically because of all this pressure of living in the city and it being really difficult to raise these wolf children, let alone regular children, let alone wolf children in the city, she decides to move out to the country. Uh, and she she drives way out into the mountains and uh, finds this, like, dilapidated, abandoned house um, that the realtor who is showing it to her, like, is, like, actively trying to dissuade her from buying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's like, and at one point she's like, um, like, who lives nearby? He's like, that's the problem. There's no one for miles away, like, let me let me find you a better place. She's like, wait, no one for miles around. I'll take it. Yeah, um, and the place like, is just like a real, a complete piece of shit. Like it's just a, it's completely falling apart. And so she begins just like fucking repairing this entire house by herself. Yeah. Um, it's not in, clear in, how much time elapses because she does a fucking number on that house. Yeah, it, she turns it into a, quite a nice house. Um, and there's there's a scene where she like lifts up a ceiling tile and a bunch of centipedes fall out. <laughs> and I've never been more horrified at anything I've seen visually. Oh, no. It's the worst fucking thing ever. <laughs> it's awful. I hate it. I hate it so much. Well, just um, don't move into a dilapidated house at the mountains, Cass. I would never. I would <laughs> never even consider it. Um, but yeah, God, it's awful. Ugh, ugh. Uh, no. So yeah, and the, the house very much reminds me, like, just the, like, the layout of the house and the kind of house it is, uh, very much reminds me of the house of my neighbor Totoro. Um. Uh, okay, it also reminds, it also is very much like the, the house in Summer Wars, and so there's, like, ah. s- there's some, sim- there's some similarities there, because Summer, in Summer Wars, like, it's, um, this this girl this girl invites the main character out to her like family house in in the country yeah uh, and then a lot of weird things go down but the um the country setting felt very familiar yeah i think that she, that this like the reason the house looks familiar is just because that's what houses in the japanese countryside look like they kind of look like that and my neighbor totoro takes place in a house very much like this one in the japanese countryside oh yeah <laughs> um so yes, so uh, Hana is basically trying, she's running low on her savings and she wants to be able to continue to feed her children, so she decides to try to grow vegetables in uh, the backyard area of the house, uh, and she has a really hard time of it, because she's a city girl and doesn't know how to do farming. Yep, the farming the farming subplot begins. Yes, the farming subplot begins, and so she basically is is initially met with sort of scorn and and resentment by the neighboring farmers who are like a bunch of old men who are mean who are very mean to her um but then um basically they see her struggling and they see her putting in more and more work to try to make things work for her children and so the one of the old guys uh whose name uh Nirasaki um he comes over and basically just starts giving her instructions on how to 
right? Right. Uh, he's the Sundere wise yeah. old man. Yeah, he's a Sundere old man, and he sort of like paces back and forth up on a hill, and and basically every time he sees Hana doing something wrong, it's just like no, b- make ridges, no higher than that, um, and and uh, then basically gives her a bunch of seed potatoes, and he's like, okay, plant, all right, wait a week, plant these cut side down, um, and and you'll have a bunch of potatoes, um, and then some other old men come over and they try to help her out planting <laughs> planting the potatoes and they just sort of fight back and forth with each other about the most effective way to plant crops um forever and it's really funny um and so then her her, har- her first harvest comes in and yeah and it's a fuck ton of potatoes it's a fuck ton of potatoes and she, so she goes around giving bags of potatoes to the people who helped her out and they give her a bunch of stuff back because they're like, oh, we lost all our potato because the goddamn boar of the mountains. Have you seen yeah. uh, Princess Mononoke? That one came down yeah. and chopped our potatoes. And they're like, how on 30 earth? To, 30 to 50 feral hogs came down and ate all, <laughs> uh, and oh ate all of our crops. And so they're like, Hana, 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 how did you protect your crops and she's like i don't know i don't have two wolves running around yeah um yeah and this this sort of intersects with the 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 subplot that's happening at the same time which is her trying to teach her children how to hunt and be wolves in the wilderness and them sort of learning on their own and ame being not into it at all he does not like being outside um he does not like baby ame uh, he does not like any of this that's going on, and and uh, Yuki, who is a complete natural, and there's and so like um, Ame like has basically like a like a weird like uh, t- like she starts crying when they're out in the middle of the fields trying to learn how to hunt um, because he got some like picture books from the library that like and like all of them like demonize wolves and oh, like oh yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like why in why in stories are wolves always the bad guy. Um, and then while this is happening, Yuki is, like, over in a field somewhere else and lifts up a bird, like, bigger than her. And <laughs> is cormorant. like, Bobby, look at this, this is a cormorant! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she, she's just, like, uh, her early years are just, like, being a complete, yeah. uh, tornado. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, like, the other, but, so this is sort of interesting in that, like, it sets up these sort of two... The two two things that this movie is kind of interested in, um, one more than the other, which is like one these children sort of ch- like the dual natures of these children being both wolves and people, yeah, um, and how they choose between those things, um, and also like there's a scene where after the harvest, um, or or after a bunch of people come over to to help Hana like plant her crops and like help help her out. Uh, they're all drinking tea, and they're they're talking about how like you have like way more perseverance and and chutzpah than the the like old men who've tried to retire out here, um, and and who couldn't live off the land. And they're like, I don't know if this if it means anything if I say it, but this isn't an easy place to live off the land. The drainage isn't very good, and we get a lot of snow. We have to help each other, um, which is definitely a thing that the early part of this movie is interested in, and that that I think. Because it's it's definitely like like the early the very early part of this movie is very interested in like like rejecting or is 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 rejecting the society that they found themselves in in the city right um, because it's very unkind to them and it's making their lives really difficult and then it sort of shows them once they get out to the country like it doesn't have to be like that we can live yeah. in a world where we all help each other 
and and we can li- live in a world where we where we like it doesn't matter so much if we like each other but just like that it's okay that like like we're all people around here and we need to help each other out yeah if this was like a shallow more more shallow analogy of like discrimination i it it might be like um the kind of bigoted close-minded country people and then like yeah and where as opposed to like finding a a little uh wolf club in the city uh yeah but (laughs) but yeah instead it 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 um it inverts the sort of expectations of just like yeah. of, of like portraying the city as as a sort of bigoted place full of conformists and the country as as a, an open-minded place full of people who want to help and but might be um, partly because they as they say it's hard to live there so they're kind it's it's not yeah. you can't avoid uh cooperation and and yeah. um, code codependence um, yeah, in this sense. I wouldn't call it codependence. I feel in- like that term inter- is perhaps loaded. Interdependence. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh. Um. So yes. So then Yuki learns about preschool. <laughs> so yeah, she's and... always been the outgoing one and the bouncy one, and so once she learns that she can go to this thing called preschool and like, she <laughs> throws like an hours long temper tantrum. Yeah. Uh, about how she wants to go to the preschool, and Ame doesn't give a shit. Ame's cool to not go to the preschool. Right. Um, and uh, Hana decides, like, no, you're not going to the preschool because I can't trust you to not turn into a wolf in front of all these other children. <laughs> um, but she finally breaks down when it comes to elementary school. Uh, yes. Um, was there something you wanted to say in between? Yeah, there's some other... There's the scene where... Uh, Yuki basically uh, like th- uses the threat of turning into a wolf in front of other people to like pressure her mom into letting her go to school um, where she's like like basically Yuki will like go over and interact with the, the other townspeople oh, in a way yeah. that she hasn't and then she like walks off and then just turns into a wolf and stands in front of the house and they're like oh um, you, you got a dog how cute yeah. it's wearing the same clothes as Yuki how adorable they match yeah <laughs> Uh, oh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't read that as her threatening. I, it was so. So you're. Saying I read she, it as, she, because it happens immediately after the preschool thing. So I read right. it as her acting, especially out, because because of? she's, uh, especially because she, she both her and Ame like hide away from the townspeople whenever yeah. they're around, yeah, 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 and yeah. this is her not hiding away from them. And she has this very smug look on her face, <laughs> and it's very very intentionally turning into a wolf yeah. in front of them yeah, 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 and then yeah. looking directly at them and being like motherfucker <laughs> uh, so the wolf metamorphosis will continue until morale improves <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um, and then we and then uh, the first snow happens then the first snow and Yuki means snow oh it does it does and Ame means does it, rain does it, does it? Ah, and uh, Hana come. They talk about this at the very beginning about Hana being uh, related to the Japanese word for like flower gazing Hana, and f- Hana means flower. Yeah, Hana means flower, and um, talking about there being cosmos in the backyard when she was born. Oh yeah, uh, and I think generally in like japanese flower symbolism cosmos symbolize like a maiden heart and also like orderliness and cleanliness oh i did not know that 
Um, I look at I look that up because I was like, oh, they're mentioning a flower specifically. It's got to be a symbol. I've read Shakespeare. <laughs> um, so yeah, the snow comes. Um, yeah, um, and they 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 sort of Ame and Yuki fucking lose their shit, and they they fucking run all through the woods, and Hana's running with them, and then they Hana fall like they're running down a hill, and Hana falls down the hill <laughs> comedically. <laughs> Yeah, so so the yeah the, the puppies are are running and rolling down the hill, and Han is just like taking a tumble, uh, yeah. but they're all having the time of their life. Yeah, and then, uh, and then Ame tries to catch a kingfisher who's who's uh, in the river, uh, catching a fish, and then Ame falls into the river, trips on his cape. Never yeah, wear capes. His, yeah, uh, trips on his trips on his cape and falls into the river and almost drowns. Yeah. Um, and this is where we also get some of the stupid, stupid 3D shit. Um, oh, right. Where you get, like, stupid 3D first-person shots of, like, being underwater, and it's like, I don't know how much that's necessary. Um, <laughs> uh, because the other thing that happens is, like, in this scene, when they're running through the forest, it, like, it really looks like they're just running, they're frolicking amongst glossy JPEGs and trees. <laughs> yeah, some of the nature shots are a little too high-res. Uh, yeah like the like there's a waterfall shot at one point it's like is that just video yeah is that just a video of a waterfall you can't do this to me um yeah so they're they're just sort of like frolic but i i honestly think that like it kind of works like it doesn't look that bad it's nowhere near as bad as oh yeah it doesn't look as bad as like 3d it just looks a little it's a little jarring Um, but this is the turning point in ame's development Um, yeah so he almost drowns and comes out of the river um and, so he, and Hana he, is like holding him and uh and then he sort of comes to and like without missing a beat is just like I found a crested kingfisher. It was like a really it was a really nice looking bird. I felt like even I could catch it today. I wasn't scared. Suddenly I felt like I could do anything. Um, yeah, so all of a sudden he kind of he kind of found his confidence in at least at least in his wolf kind of yeah. the wolf side of his identity. Yeah, and then he, um, there we get some narration, which feels the need to inform us after that incident, Ame seemed like a completely different person. <laughs> oh, you, what? Per- perhaps you could tell me? Perhaps perhaps you could show me that happening? Like, I don't know, like, it's almost like I'm watching a movie. And you, and I would expect you to fucking right. show me. Yeah, yeah, like, it's so funny, like, we, we, we spent half this podcast talking about how brilliant the filmmaking is, and then it's like, wait. It has no confidence in it. Maybe, the, maybe, maybe this is like a producer jumping yeah. in and I mean, with things. Like, it, it feels like it might have been that, because that was a similar story with Blade Runner, like, that's where the yeah. theatrical edition of Blade Runner has that, and then the director's cut doesn't, the, yeah. the narration. And like that's that's where the theatrical version of Blade Runner has like a weird tacked on happy ending when the ending was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but. but but yeah, it's definitely like any sort of ambiguity or or like work that you might have to put in as an audience to understand what's going on is just sort of ironed out by Yuki coming in and just like sucking all of the air out of the room by explaining. <laughs> Well, exactly what's going on. Yes. Um, and so, you get a similar a similar thing later when she goes to elementary school. Yeah. Well, let's, before we do that, uh, I'll talk a bit about Ame. Let me know if I'm jumping around too much. But um, it's around this time that Hana realizes she's running out of savings and needs to get a job. And so she's... Oh, yeah. Let's work for a lo- the local like conservation corps and uh, brings Ame along. And it, they 
find out that they have a captive wolf in the in like the whatever the conservation building park is and so Ame has never seen a, a wolf before so this is like an important thing for him to like see and what he sees is an old depressed wolf in a concrete cage yeah uh, and they find they find out that this wolf has never lived in the wild it was it was like raised in a zoo in russia then bought by some rich asshole yeah and then died. they very they very quietly ask it like like the the con- the conservator leaves the room oh, and then yeah. Hana gets down and it's just like hey uh this kid's dad was a wolf Will you tell us how you were raised in the forest? No. Yeah, um, before they before they find out that he's a he was raised yeah. in captivity, uh, and so yeah, they're they're taking the bus home, and Ame's like, "Was was Dad like that?" And she was like, "No, he was quite different." And Ame's like, "Good, this wolf seemed sad." Yeah. Um, but yeah, that happens immediately after the scene of Yuki's first day at elementary school, where she's okay. really excited. She really wants to go to elementary school. She really, really wants to go there. And then she's basically sitting in the auditorium, and she's freaking out because she's never been surrounded by that many people. And she says, "It was a, in narration, she says, it was the first time in my life that I'd ever been surrounded by so many people. I'd wanted to go so badly, but when it finally came down to it, I wasn't sure if I would be okay or not. Which, again, like... I know all of this from you, the you way can that you're you can, acting. Yeah, you can see her fidgeting. You can see her turn around and look for her mom. Like it's all, it's all, it's all there. Um, yeah, but they feel the need to fucking put the narration over it, and it sucks. <laughs> um, it's so, it's bad. It's, it's really bad. But then she, we get like a little montage of just like her sort of finding her place yeah. at school. She and she um, thrives. Um, yeah, like, she. Yeah, everybody likes her. There's a great uh, scene of, or a great shot of her at like lunchtime, just like devouring her lunch, <laughs> uh, hilariously. Like All she just fucking like, inhales oh. that shit. Yeah, um, yeah, her, her, yeah. Her, her first like issue is. Um, when she realizes how much of a fucking tomboy yes. she is. Yeah, she says, I found out that no other girls played with rat snakes for fun, and I was also the only girl who collected small animal bones and dried reptiles. <laughs> and uh. so, and so this is, this is the beginning. Her, her kind of, so Ame's character kind of arc is marked very strongly with his near drowning. That's when he kind of, yeah. kind of sees that he can be a wolf, uh, and begins to kind of, take seriously the kind of his wolfish side um yuki's yeah. is, is a little is... more subtle it begins with her kind of like a, a a standard like childhood insecurity about fitting in where she yeah wants to and be she more gets girlish. the new dress she gets a new and dress breaks, and breaks the color symmetry so she's blue too oh fuck um uh, because previously to this yuki wore red and ame wore blue but now yeah um, yeah. Yuki starts wearing a blue dress that Hana makes for her, and Ame starts wearing, starts dressing like an anime murderer. Well, she, he starts uh, he starts dressing like his dad, un, un, yes. unknowingly, like ratty t-shirts. Uh, Fuck right! Pants, I didn't even notice that. I just thought he looked like Sasuke. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, by the end, he looks basically identical to his father. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Despite being ten years old, which is a little unnerving. Yeah, they, they're like, oh, he's 10 years old. And it's just like, he's not fucking 10 years old. He's clearly 14. Yeah, when I was, before I, before I rewatched it, I had, I had assumed that this ended in high school based on my ah. rec- recollections of the, of what the characters looked like. Um, but it doesn't, it ends, 
they're, when they're still in elementary school, but they yeah. all all the all like the kids no look no quite a ten year old is it, he's almost as tall as his mom. Yeah. At the end of this movie, and it's like no ten year old is almost as tall as their mom. Yeah, like maybe in in his in Ame's case, like because he, um, he kind of fully accepts being a wolf and choo- like chooses that ex- at the exclusion of human society. He matures faster because like oh, as wolves yeah. as, as wolves do uh-huh. and because um at the very very end when uh hana dreams of her husband he's and she's she's worried about ame her husband is like he's an adult now yes yes we can talk about that when we get to it so yeah um, but, but yeah that's so, yeah, so, that's so, so yeah so yuki decides to break the color symmetry as um and and get a new dress deciding to act more graceful and ladylike <laughs> um and this is sort of part of her because she also on her first day of elementary school the day before the first day of elementary school hana makes her promise to not turn into a wolf and teaches her uh like this this like little saying like piggy promise promise kept i think it is in english and i don't remember what it is in japanese it sounds better in japanese because all the the words rhyme um but and so and so you can see where this is going that yuki yuki is is uh being drawn increasingly more into human society at the exclusion of her wolf, her wolf self. Yes. Um, and Hana uh, basically says, like, oh, it's a charm to keep you from turning into a wolf. And so she becomes obsessed with this, and she she's really into it. Uh, and and so then Ame, after after the scene where she decides to be more, where Yuki decides to be more graceful and ladylike, um ame enters enters school it's it's a year or so later now um and so ame's in first grade and we get the lateral tracking shot oh this is the one you're talking Um, about yeah yes so so yes so so i brought up earlier there's an every frame of painting video that i'll link in the show notes um about the lateral tracking shot talking about this and it's um and i just rewatched it to remind me what was in it um and, that, and the video is sort of all about generally what people use the lateral tracking shots for. And he points out that this shot is really unusual amongst them because it's really intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but it, it, uh, cause he draws comparisons to the, la- a, a shot from Taxi Driver where it makes us feel bad for, I think his name is Travis Bickle in that movie, uh, makes us feel bad for him by, laterally tracking away from him and moving him out of the frame where you can still hear him talk on the phone um, uh, into and sort of showing emptiness Um, and uh, a very and uh, another shot in the opening to the Pixar movie up where um, you get where you you get the lateral tracking shot from them like decorating their nursery a lateral tracking shot to the right through the wall to them in the hospital being told that they've miscarried. Oh yeah. Um and 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 he talks about how like that shot is pretty brilliant because it like it wouldn't work with any other kind of cut or any other kind of transition because the movement to the right implies that time has passed and the fact that it's a lateral tracking shot like lateral tracking shots give distance between you and the characters um which me- like it's way more tragic because you can't do anything about it you can't help them it really emphasizes that you there's nothing you can do you're as just an, an audience you're just an observer right. yeah um and that's something that i feel is also true here um because it's it's um like we are watching so the thing that happened in this shot is it it's sort of a a time passes several years pass over the course of this this one shot um Ame goes from first to third grade and then starts skip and then basically leaves school. 
um, in third grade because he he doesn't like it anymore and he's getting bullied. Um, and Yuki basically eventually finds her place in the class, and we see her sort of sort of becoming more of a more of a a, a, a person in the world, I guess, and like becoming friendlier and like like and we also see her like defending Ame from bullies, and we basically we we just sort of see them grow up over several years of their life. But, she, but the important thing is, like, yeah, so Ame, yeah, gets pushed down by some older kids. Yuki runs over, growling, basically, scares them yeah. off. She lifts him up and then just walks away. Um, yeah. And so she, it's just like, there's there's sense both of kind of the distance, but growing between them. And um, maybe her implicitly telling him to kind of fend for himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, she, she cares about him, but not too much, you know, or is, is, doesn't want to actually help him. Um, she just wants, she, like, she doesn't want anybody to hurt him, but she doesn't want to, like, help him feel more comfortable or safe. Um, because she's she's a little caught up. Yeah, she's found, Mm -hmm. she's found a new life, basically. Yeah. Uh. Um, and because the other thing about this shot, uh, is that it's completely impossible, (laughs) um it's it 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 doesn't make any logical sense the camera sort of moves back and forth through time and space um in a way that could only happen in 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 movies and really specifically in animation yeah so what so Um, what what happens is that it goes it goes from like her class pans across to his class pans back to her class with like the year incremented and so she's a year older there and i think at one point she moves forward in her like like forward in the row of desks, maybe? yes, is yes. That, is that what you're talking shot. about with her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we see her move from sort of the back of the classroom to the front of the classroom. Yeah, as she gets more confident and more outgoing and uh, yeah, happier. Yeah, and whereas Ame to... remains at the back of the classroom. And then the last cut, he's just gone. Uh, yeah, and you and obviously, without any fucking narration to tell us, you know he's begun skipping. Yeah, um, and I don't think they like bring it up until uh, until they visit they, the uh yeah the conservatory and the the director is like oh is it a school holiday and Ame's like no he's like oh are you skipping yeah <laughs> okay yeah. well yeah they, they 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 show us and they tell us in dialogue rather than in fucking narration yeah um and it's it's so much better and it's so much more just like subtle i guess and less it right. just it doesn't suck the fucking air out of the room because you can yeah. just come in and be like, and then Ame started uh, skipping school, and and and, uh, but, and and the director's reaction kind of like he he, he doesn't he obviously he doesn't judge at all, uh, yeah. and so like it's so it makes it so obvious that this is kind of the place for Ame, um, yeah. to be as yeah. opposed to school. Um, and it also means that like because we don't get Yuki's feelings immediately, we get them later. Mm-hmm. Um, it lets the sort of tension between them simmer over a longer period of time and more subtly until it suddenly busts out when they have that big fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, um, so yeah, so Ame starts going to the conservatory, uh, and meeting with the wolf, uh, and then we get a new, uh, there's a new, a new transfer student at school. <gasps> um, and his name is Sohei. Um, and he... Bless that old dick. Uh, and he introduces himself to yuki by saying do you have dogs in your house you smell like you have dogs in your house <laughs> which is a weird fucking thing to say to another person i mean his like his whole like for the until until they kind of come to an understanding like his whole thing is just 
being obnoxious. Yeah. Uh, and like they he, they they carry like they characterize him brilliantly through the way that he's drawn because like you look you take one look at this motherfucker and you're like, "Oh, the guy, yeah, this guy likes Naruto too much." He's his spiky hair, little like Yeah, his fucking spiky hair, his red shirt, fucker. His yeah. cargo shorts. <laughs> yeah, like everything about this dude's character design just screams just like bro. like way too energetic 10 year old i wouldn't call him a bro because like he's a 10 year old like yeah he, yeah, he, he yeah, can't yeah, yeah. he can't know any better but like um uh, so yeah so when he when she when he says you smell like dogs that freaks her the fuck out because she begins to be afraid that he, he might fi- figure out her secret yeah and so she begins and so and so no one else has noticed it so she kind of has a she kind of has a particular suspicion of him and begins to avoid him yes and him and then being he, a bratty 10 year old boy does not take that so well yeah and then starts basically harassing her um about her ignoring him and she denies it uh denies ignoring him at all even when it's extremely obvious there's all these little sh- there's all these shots of him trying to talk to her and her just like looking away from him or her like just sprinting yeah. just sprinting out of the room when she sees that he's there uh, or, like, walking into a room, seeing him hanging out with her friends, and be like, no, actually, I gotta go return this book. <laughs> um, right. And so, eventually, he basically chases around the entire school, being like, what did I do? Yeah. What did I do? And, and she, she's like, you didn't do anything. Leave you the fuck alone, but he's a he's a bratty ten-year-old, so that's the last thing he's gonna do. Yeah. And she keeps repeating the charm, the piggy promise promise kept to herself over and over and over again, to keep her from turning into a wolf, because she's really, really angry. As her stress is building, she she's yeah. afraid of turning into a yeah. wolf. And so she walks outside, and then she tries to go back into the building, and the door is locked, and so she's cornered by Sohei, uh, who keeps bothering her, uh, and then eventually she goes to hit him, and turns partway into a wolf, and then, like, busts his ear open with her claws, um, and then we have, uh, a scene with basically her in the principal's office, um, with Sohei and Sohei's mom, who is awful. Sohei's mom is the fucking worst. Yep. Sohei's mom sucks. Just the uh, preeminent rich asshole. Just the, the worst person who's ever lived. Um, and Hana, cause Hana shows up and is basically just like, and, and like, goes up to to yuki and it's like did you do that and then yuki doesn't say anything and it's just and then it's just like you need to apologize and then yuki finally lets out a very limp i'm sorry and then instead of understanding that this is what happens when you put a bunch of children in a room especially if you don't teach your children not to your child not to be an asshole to other children um she's just like do you really think this can be taken care of with just an apology what were you planning to do if you lost his hearing parents are responsible for the children's actions aren't they would you go into debt or sell your house to compensate us um right. and and every and the other people in the room are just like lady what the fuck <laughs> nothing happened yeah 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 and then none of that uh, shit happened what are you talking about yeah and then yeah so hey even so hey is just like not he does not like his mom uh yeah. And we find out more why later. Uh, but then he's... Then at this point, he's like, it was a wolf that attacked me. Uh, yeah, he says it was a wolf that did it. And everyone's uh, just like, what, 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 what? But he... But yeah, then at that point, he'll, he just denies that Yuki was involved and there's nothing they can do but drop the drop the uh, situation. 
Uh, then Hana goes back to class, and and then everybody is just, like, freaking out and trying to figure out if she did it or not, and who was at fault, and whose fault it was, and it's really, an, it, they're just, like, being obnoxious children, and so she runs out and goes back to the car, um, and, and is basically just, like, she's in, in the car with her mom, and she's just like, it didn't work, no matter how many times I tried the charm. Will I be chased out of school? Will we have to leave our house? I'm sorry. Um, and then she stays home from school for a while, and every day Sohei comes by their house, um, and, like, brings, like, gifts and homework and stuff. Um, um, then eventually, uh, Hana, when he comes by, Hana invites him in and gives him, like, some, some lime soda or something. (laughs) Uh, I have these screenshots, and, and he's basically just like, I don't want Yuki to stop coming to school. And she says, you know that day you said that a wolf did it, right? What did you mean by that? And he says, that was, I mean, you might not believe me, but that day I saw a wolf for a split second. And when I came to her, I was bleeding. So the wolf was the one that did it. I mean, it wasn't Yuki's fault. I know other kids are saying stupid things, but... And Hana says, can I ask you one more thing? Do you hate wolves? And he says, not really. Um, and that's what she knows. He's he's going to be cool. all right. Yeah, he's, he's um, chill. He's chill. He's chill with wolves. Um, and so then... Uh, Yuki decides to go back to school and then Sohei like shows up in her driveway and is like hey you want to see my gross ear (laughs) that's a great scene yeah and she's like what and he's like it's cool isn't it want to touch it he he just rips off the bandage like look check it out check out Uh, my gross ear (laughs) and she's like does it hurt he's like no but it itches (laughs) yeah it's great it's a fucking good scene and then after Um, that they're friends yeah um uh, so then, we we also at this point learn that instead of going to school, Ame is going and meeting with someone he calls Sensei, and and he, so he just like goes out, um, you know. And then the the old guy who taught Hana how to farm is like, "There's something to be said for a guy who stopped going to school in elementary school." <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and then and then it sort of then we get a sort of scene where they're like Hana and and uh, Ame are working are out in the fields, and Ame is telling Hana about Sensei, and it's like he knows everything about the mountain. And Hana says, "I didn't think you'd make friends with someone older than you. Bring him over to our house sometimes. I want to thank him." And and Ame says, "Sensei doesn't meet with humans. He doesn't come to the village. Come down to the village like the wild boars and bears. But it's probably okay if it's you, mom." And then they go out to the woods to meet Sensei. And, uh, so yeah, so they go out and they meet, they meet Sensei, who is a fox, and he lives by a big tree in the woods, and then, uh, you see Ame turn into a wolf and go and hang out with Sensei, and Ame, this is where we, we start to get, like, a, a lot more close-ups of Ame's wolf form, which, at this point in the movie, it really looks like somebody's OC. <laughs> I know! <laughs> it really does, like, it really does look like somebody was like, I made Sasuke if he were a wolf! <laughs> yeah, like the, uh... Copyright, like the, do not steal! Like the, when their babies turning into wolves, they're just, like, cute little goobers uh but they're like yeah they're like once they're adults they look like OC, oc original character do not steal <laughs> yeah it's not until the very end that he looks like an actual wolf and not yeah like a- <laughs> and not like dude yeah not like what if sasuke <laughs> what if sasuke was a furry <laughs> um but it's, it's also kind of inevitable yeah like there's no way there's no way to draw uh that without it looking like somebody's furry sasuke oc but <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so then Ame hangs out with, with, with Sensei, we get some shots of them going through the woods, catching rabbits, seeing a big, seeing a big lake from the top of a mountain. Barking. Barking, yeah, Awoo- hanging out. Awooing. Awooing, yeah. They, they, and they, since they live up in the mountains, they'll pay the $3 fine. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's only it's only for a wooing in the town. Yeah. <laughs> I woo in the town, but not in the country. Is this, oh God! So we've been High, highly subtle in the importance of being earnest and goofs. <laughs> Let's not even explain it. Let's not even explain it. Who cares? Okay. <laughs> Oscar Wilde was the first furry, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so Ame is learned to be a wolf. Um, Yuki is learned to be a human. And and eventually, obviously, this blows up. Uh, uh, yes. So, yes. So, uh, they're eating, they're, like, doing homework or, like, uh, sitting around at the, at the kitchen table. Um, and Ame is like, Yuki, you should have since they teach you too. Your hunting will get a lot better. There's a trick to running through the forest at full speed and to read the terrain. And he's going on and on. And Yuki's just trying to do her homework. And she's like, there's no way I'm going. Uh, what about what about you? Why don't you come to school? Uh, and Ame says, because the mountain's interesting. Because there's a lot I don't know. And, and Yuki says, I don't need to know. And then Yuki says, just come to school already. Um, and he says, I don't want to. And then... Uh, and then she's like, why? And he's like, because I'm a wolf. And then she's like, you're a human. And he's like, I'm a wolf. And then they go back and forth like this. Uh, and Yuki's like, I've already decided not to become a wolf. And then... Uh, <laughs> I, I told you. That was adorable. Oh, thank you. Uh, and then Ame said, in. why? <laughs> I will absolutely keep it in. And then Ame says, why not? Um, and then Yuki says, because I'm human. Do you hear me? Because I'm human. And And... Ame says, but why? And Yuki says, stop asking so many questions. And then Ame says, you're a wolf, aren't you? Why don't you act like one? And then Yuki says, shut up, you don't know anything. And then Ame says, about what? And then Yuki says, if you don't come to school tomorrow, I'll never forgive you. Um, and then Ame says, I'm not going. And then Yuki says, I'll never forgive you. And then Ame says, I'm not going. And then Ame flips the table. And then Yuki, uh, and it's, it's extremely reminiscent of the bit from End of Eva. Um, oh. where uh, Shinji and, and Asuka have a fight in the kitchen, and Shinji flips the table, and I just ha- was half expecting Yuki to stand up and just be like, pathetic. <laughs> um, oh no. Um, that would have been really fucking funny. We already, have, it, we already have one modern anime set in the Ava Extended Universe, we don't need another <laughs> Every anime is set in the Ava Extended Universe. Uh, and so then they, then they uh, turn into wolves and have a knockdown drag out fight. Yeah, smashing up the entire house basically, and Hana's like, "What the hell? Just what? What? Why?" Yeah, um, yeah. It, it combines the stress of having your children fight with the stress of having your pets fight, which to, <laughs> for like the, the most maximally stressful event I could possibly imagine a human having to go through. Yeah, 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 uh, pretty much. Because like, not only are they are they your kids and they're fighting with each other, but also they're animals, so you can't explain to them that they shouldn't do that. <laughs> Uh, and also, they can really hurt each other. And also, they can, they can just like fly around the house, knocking everything over. Yeah. Um, and and then uh, we get uh, the shot of of Abe where he looks the most like Sasuke, where he has the red eyes. Oh yeah. So so finally, um, so Yuki basically runs into the bathroom, I think, and and yeah, and, and, hide, and hides in the tub, uh, and then they t- they go back into their human form and Hana is like who the fuck is this kid in my house with his red eyes and his yeah, bloody Yeah, Hana's just standing there nude and he's covered in cuts and his eyes are red and he straight up looks like he's got the showering gone. Uh, that's a Naruto joke. I don't get uh, it. You don't get it, but somebody who listens to this will get because he yeah, cuz he just straight up looks like Sasuke. And so that's what uh, yeah, that, that's like f- throughout the movie Hana is like 
I don't, I don't feel equipped to raise these children. Uh, yeah. And then that, and this is kind of the, one of the last, last kind of hammer blows of, of that. Um, yes. Um, Cause she, she's sitting around and she says, Yuki and Ame are both starting to walk their own path. Even though that's what I wanted. Why am I so uneasy? Why is that? Yeah, which um, while she's she's sort of putting the house back together and looking at um, Wolfman's driver's license, right? Which she sort of keeps at a little shrine in the corner of the uh, of the house. Yeah, which and this this you, the line she has where they begin to walk their own paths, and like, and at the end they like choose their own paths. Like Ame yeah. chooses to be a wolf, Yuki chooses to be a human, but, and it, but it doesn't really like problematize the notion of having to choose in the first yeah i i wrote this down at like the bottom of my notes when i finished watching the watching the movie i was was kind of saying the kids have to internalize their dual natures and it's like it's to a certain degree tragic that they have to choose yeah like in the binary like this where like they can be a wolf or they can be a person but they can't be both right because um and of course, like I, I feel like them being able to internalize their dual natures is perhaps beyond the scope of this film. Right. Um, I mean, Yuki, Yuki like makes peace with it at the end, and we'll get to yeah. that. Um, yeah, but, but yeah. It definitely, like it, it, it's not. Um, it, it's like this movie does not think that it's at all tragic that. In order for Ame to embrace his wolf side, he has to leave human society entirely, or that for Yuki to embrace her human side, she has to abandon her wolfness entirely. Like, yeah. this movie doesn't think that that's at all sad. Right. Um, which I think is kind of fucked up. Yeah. yeah. So where were we? The, the, yeah, the big fight. So after the, after the fight, um, Hana is basically like, is this right after the fight, or maybe it's different? But she's basically begins worrying more about him and telling him not to go into the, on yeah. the mountain. Yeah, uh, yeah, because Ame is basically just like Sensei hurt his leg and he can't move and he'll probably die soon. So he has to take over all the things he's been doing on the mountain. And then uh, Hana says, "You can't go into the mountains anymore. You're only ten years old. You're still a child." And this is where I was like, "He's not fucking ten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he looks like seventeen. Yeah. Uh, and there's been, they like sort of foreshadow that there's been a bunch of heavy rains in the area recently, which is made, making Ame really worried about the forest. Yeah. Um, and so then Yuki is about to go to school and Ame tells her to stay home today, presumably because he's worried that it's going to rain and that she, and, um, he'll have to go into the mountains and he'll have to go into the mountains. Um, and someone needs to look at And then Yuki's mom. like, you stay home with her. Yeah. Uh, and then goes to school. Um, and then basically what happens is they're, they're all sitting around at, there is, there is a a scene where, uh, (laughs) amazingly they're sitting in, in class and, and the professor is asking them about how far can the swallow fly in three hours? My immediate response is, well, is European or African? (laughs) Um... Um, and then the power goes out in their house and, and Ame decides to leave and go into the forest because he, I don't really know what the duties of wolf sense of fox sensei what were, but apparently they were important. Uh, and so then Hana decides to go out into the woods to look for Ame. Um, and that turns out to be a bad idea because she's not a wolf. 
Right. Uh, and meanwhile, Yuki is still at school, and she's stuck there because uh, Hana is out in the wilderness fucking falling down mountains and just having a horrible time. Uh, and so they're trapped in the gymnasium at school after classes have been canceled. Uh, it's with with her with um, Yuki and Sohai. Because, so, yeah, Sohai, his, so a little kind of like subplot is that his shitty mom got remarried. Uh, and so all the kids are like, um, wondering how he's going to take it and, and and we can guess how it's going to go by the fact that she's not picking him up yeah. uh, from school. So the, it's the two of them basically at the end just kind of like, well, I guess we live here forever. Yeah, in, in hanging out in one of the classrooms in the school. You know, and he and he's like, I'll have to get a job delivering newspapers or something. I'll lie about my age. I'll tell them I'm in middle school. <laughs> Do I look like a middle schooler? Yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's something very sad when like, um, Yuki raises the subject of his mom. He's like, "Well, she married someone else, and once she has a kid, she won't need me anymore." Yeah, uh, and I'm like, "I'm not sure that that's how babies work, but <laughs> apparently it is how babies work. She doesn't come and pick them up." Well, for her, I guess. Yeah, um, but yeah, and then they're they're both looking into the mirror in the in the stairwell at school, and um, uh, Yuki says, "I want to grow up faster," and so Hai says, "Me too." Um, well, good news, kids. You look like you're fucking 18-year-olds. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was like, do I look like a middle schooler? And I'm like, well, you... Like, yeah, you look like you're 20. <laughs> uh, and then we get a scene. We get um, a really neat scene where uh, Hana falls down the mountain. Um, mm. And it is basically like a mirror reversal of the scene where she falls down the mountain when it's snowing. Like all the emotions are different, but that sort of like action is the same. And like a lot of the sort of gestures are the same. Hana, I forgot what happened. Um, So yeah, so Hana falls down the mountain and then she's basically just stuck at the bottom of the mountain. She can't move because she just fell down a mountain. Um, And the, so it goes back to Yuki and Sohai who are hiding in a classroom. Um, yeah, and so she, yeah, they're talking about, about basically, like, uh, will we really end up living here secretly? If our parents don't come, then we have no choice, do we? Why? Your mom will come for sure. No, she won't. Why not? She's, my mom got married, and she's having a baby, so once it's born, I won't be needed anymore. Okay. Um, but she was so worried about you. I'm fine with that, though. I'll run away from home, become a boxer or a wrestler. I'll live like a lone wolf, and then you, he's like, you'll be defeated in a second. You have no muscles. Um, and he's like, I'll train and live on my own. And he gives a big a big shonen anime smile. Uh, and then... And yeah. then Yuki opens the windows, and the curtains are billowing for the express purpose of letting them sort of wipe the frame uh, to let her turn into a wolf when the curtain comes in front of her. Uh, and then it, the curtain, like, blows away, and then she's a wolf, and then it blows in front of her again, and then it blows away, and she's a person. Well, yeah, because uh, there's him bring up, her bringing up, like, how much his mother seemed to care when he got injured reminded her what happened, and she decides to finally kind of, in, like, tell the, tell him the truth. And so that's, yeah, that's why she um, does that clever bit of um, uh, prop work to... <laughs> uh, turn it to a wolf and back uh so yeah so he re- so yeah so so yuki reveals that she was she's been a wolf the whole time and he reveals uh, that he knew the whole time yeah and he's like i knew i knew the whole time i didn't tell anyone your secret um i won't tell so don't cry anymore and she's like i don't cry it gets uh, to rain from outside <laughs> i have allergies um 
Uh, and so then we get the shot where Yuki is like in heaven or whatever, uh, and she's like laying on the the ground at the base of the mountain and talking with with oh, Wolfman. You mean, you mean Hana. Hana. Sorry. <laughs> yes. God. Uh, I've been trying so so hard to remember all of their names. Yeah, this whole time. That's kind of Yuki's story complete. Yes. Uh, at that point, when she, when when Sohei kind of accepts her for who she is, and she and she understands that like she, like she's still who she is, and he he still likes her, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's yeah. what I meant before by her saying she kind of makes peace with her dual nature if she doesn't kind of fully yeah. accept it like she tur- she yeah. willingly turns into a wolf shows it to him but she turns back yeah. and she stays as a human presumably yeah. for, for uh, as much of her future life as possible yeah and I think it's it's like like this movie it t- obviously takes place in a setting where for her to really fully accept her dual nature would be impossible but and I don't think that's bad but I do think what's a little suspect is them not is them just being fine with that and just being like yeah it's okay that she'll have to like live the rest of her life keeping a fundamental aspect of herself secret from pretty much everybody she ever meets right right like that's cool <laughs> um uh, but yeah, and then basically Hana is talking to the Wolfman, and Hana's like, um, "I'm." He's talking about how he's worried about Ame and about how, and and Wolfman says he's fine. He's already an adult, and Yuki's like an adult, um, and and Wolfman's like he's found his own world, which I think is an interesting definition of adulthood. Uh, oh, is that what is that what it's supposed to mean? That's that being an adult means kind of like finding your place in the world. Yeah, that's what I interpret it as. Okay, I thought um, it meant he's literally an adult. <laughs> Um, which is where I was going with the thing about like, oh, wolves age faster than humans. Maybe he actually is older because he's really I think becoming a real you've, wolf. You've been affected with plot brain. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a terminal illness. I'm sorry. <laughs> how how long do I have until the end of this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> when I come to your house and kill you? Oh no. <laughs> um. But yeah, and so then basically, you Hana gets rescued by Ame, right? Right. So yeah, after her dream, so the dream is is kind of foreshadowed at the beginning. Um, yeah, because they're like in a big flower field, like at the end of Metal Gear Solid Three. Yeah. So this is oh, this, is this the Metal Gear Solid extended universe that we're? Yeah, yeah, we're in the, we're in the Metal Gear Solid extended <laughs> okay. universe. Yeah. After this movie is over, Yuki dyes her hair blonde and becomes the boss. Oh. Okay. Not Yuki, uh, Hana. Yeah, I guess Yuki could do it either. You do it too. Yeah, um, look, yeah. So yeah, Yuki basically looks exactly like Hana. Ame looks basically exactly like Wolfman. Um, and so, hey, they they you become your parents is the moral of the story. But um, when Hana falls down the mountain, she basically passes the entire night uh, unconscious. And dreams about Wolfman, and he gives her wise advice. Yeah, and then she wakes up at dawn to find herself being deposited unceremoniously in a parking lot by her one and only son. Yeah, it's like you couldn't have at least taken me home. <laughs> See, yeah, I, I'd forgotten this too. I, for some reason, I thought I remembered like Ame leaving because a car was coming, uh, but it was just no. Yeah. She just, he just, he just dumped her and walked away and then she's like Ame come back I still and haven't he, been able to do anything for you and then he runs away and then uh, uh, 
he cries a little bit in wolfish, wolfish tears and runs away. Yeah. Um, um, and, then, and then, he, then she says, live a good life. Well, he awoos. Um, yeah, he awoos. And then she realizes that she has done enough for him, that she's helped him find his world. Uh, and then yeah. she she can take uh, Solus in that. Or find Solus in that. And um, and then after that, it's more or less kind of a like a retrospective. Or yeah, yeah we get a lot more boring narration so where uh, Ami's like I went to junior high and lived in the dorms <laughs> chill uh, and yeah so, so Yuki gets a little bit about how her life went pretty much kind of as expected she, um, and Ami's a wolf now yeah and then Hana is just living alone with her ghosts basically uh, still with that little smile slapped on her face so like Hana <sighs> Yeah, we. I mentioned like I mentioned um, when I was proposing this as a as a film to watch for our podcast that we could, that we could watch this one and uh, Mirai afterwards and, yeah. and compare representations of motherhood because Hana's characterization is largely centered around her role as a mother. Uh, like we get little bits of of her. She has kind of this funny, irreverent sense of like. Um, personality, and then she when she's talking to Wolfman early in the in the film in their first meeting, she talks about how her father or grandfather told her to always smile. Her her dad, yeah, that was actually Phoenix Wright. Uh, <laughs> her grandfather passing, passing on passing on the ancient wisdom of Mia Fey that a, a lawyer always smiles. Yeah. So as she talks about how. She's tried. She even smiled during his funeral, and people were like, "What the fuck?" Um, and so she has this. She has this strange little little quirk of always kind of grinning through her suffering. And then old old Sunday farmer man is like, "Stop smiling and laughing all the time!" And she's like, starts busting out laughing at him. He's like, "It's not funny. I'm not funny. Don't laugh." And he, um. But, no, I hate to break it to you, dude, but you are fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, but the the fact that the movie, like her story, basically ends with her when she, when her kids leave the nest, yeah, is a little, mm, like it, like it's it's fine, like okay, like it's fine to have like explore mother and like to have a character like motherhood consumes your life like raising children yeah. is all consuming and so there's nothing wrong with having a character who's pri- like primary like the primary aspect of the character is being a mother that's realistic and normal yeah but the fact that she seems to kind of be stuck in time after the fact yeah means like she doesn't like she's not the kids have left she can yeah, she can because of... like there's a perspective on this. If you want to be pessimistic, that what happens in this movie is that a woman who is like attending college and has potentially a bright future ahead of her gets her entire life sucked out of her by two children, both of whom abandon her. <laughs> yeah, God. Uh, Which is like that's bleak. Right, right, right. And so, like, it would be like the entire framing would be much. The whole thing would be would end on a much more kind of optimistic framing if 
you saw her kind of like enter more into the like the village life and make new friends and etc etc I mean we've seen that this movie is very good at little short evocative montages so that would be a a much more kind of hopeful note for her character to end on. But instead it just ends with her in the house with her, with Wolfman's uh, driver's license and then hearing Ame howling on the mountain and laughing. Yeah. Um, Which like, like the entire purpose of her character within the narrative is to raise these children because the story is really about the children. But it's also like, it it, it also doesn't feel authentically like a story about motherhood because the mother is so poorly developed outside of her relationship to her children. Yeah. 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 You know, like she likes philosophy, but that's not a defining character uh, trait. (laughs) Like she's not constantly quoting Socrates at these children. (laughs) Her only life philosophy is like, keep smiling. Uh, and and it, part of it is is a consequence of the fact that this is a film that spans twelve years, and so she doesn't get much time to be yeah. developed before the kids enter the scene and things go topsy turvy. Uh, yeah, but there, are, yeah, it, c- it could have been mitigated in, in a number of ways, and it wasn't, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else did I say? Um, yeah, I guess the other thing that I was kind of expecting this movie to be about that it wasn't and this ties into the sort of dual nature of these kids because i expected this movie to be sort of more interested i i guess i kind of expected this movie to be princess mononoke um <laughs> and be more interested in the relationship between humans and nature um mm, but yeah. it really isn't because it, it it very much reinforces sort of the binary which is weird for a movie with characters who transcend that binary right um, um like i think it's a, it's a little strange um to like have because um we don't get much interaction with nature in this movie most of the interaction that we have is positive you know like like um there's the bit where uh hana sees the the those bears in the woods um and there's the bit where um so this is what she's and, for ame and, and yeah, she sees she sees a kind of a, a big shadow and she's like oh it's ame and then it's a fucking bear yeah it's a uh, bear with no face and then she's she's freaking out and she thinks it's gonna attack her but then she realizes it's a mom too and it's got little baby bears which make extremely bizarre baby bear sounds like most like film representations of baby bear sounds are not exactly realistic and this yeah. was actually that was one thing sounds. i noticed was that like when when the the fox yips or whatever uh, or like when other animals make sounds they were largely realistic but when uh when ame and yuki bark they're just human they're humans making dog noises uh, like when 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 ame barks he's like <laughs> like something like a guy barking <laughs> i think it might be too jarring to have like a dog voice actor for like <laughs> his dog students. No, I think it's a good decision. I think yeah. I didn't think it was a bad decision. I just thought it was a funny decision. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there's also a, a weird scene in this movie where they're like hanging out in Yuki is like hanging out in the in the gym, and there's some kids playing basketball, and it, there's also some kids riding unicycles, and it's like, what the fuck school is this where kids just play basketball and unicycle in the gym, just for kicks? Like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? What the fuck is happening? What kind of school is this that has unicycles 
for kids to use recreationally. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we've covered wolf children. Yeah. I think we, I think we knock it out. Uh, do you have a book to recommend? I'm not actually sure. I didn't, I didn't read anything remarkable this month. Uh, I mentioned um, I was complaining about a book I read this month on your stream, that book Possession by A.S. Byatt. Yes, I remember that. Um, uh, but yeah, nothing. Re- not, there was no real standout. Just maybe I'll recommend something from uh, I read a while ago. Yeah. Uh, okay, how about, yeah, how about this? Um, this, is, this is a book that actually came out this year. Uh, the Old Drift by Namwali Serpel, a Zambian author. And it's uh, kind of a, I don't want to say magical realist, but it has some kind of, some kind of elements that, if not kind of the exact structure and style, but reminded me of magical realism. There's a, there's a character who, who's just like hair grows all on all her body constantly. And she like makes a cocoon with it. And it's, so it's, it's kind of a story of, like Zimbabwe and Zambia um, from the Livingstone's quote-unquote discovery of Victoria Falls uh, through to the near future. And so it's told through th- three generations of, of people. Um, so like an Italian family who, who come to like work on the dam, a British family who come as just kind of like standard rich colonials and then um a native zambian family and each of each like there's three chapters for each generation of these three families and it's uh it's it's bizarre in some places and the ending is very strange but it's it's a really interesting novel about kind of change and mutation and accident and chance and how so much of like history is is unplanned and 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 the plans of of most of the characters never really come to fruition they're foiled by chance and error and um other things so it's a very strange and interesting novel but I, but I, I i did like it um and i'm not i'm not i was trying to think of a clever way to connect it to the the, the movie, <laughs> but I don't think I can pull that off. Yeah, no, I have nothing. I have nothing that could possibly connect to this film. <laughs> um, what's the, what is the name of that book? The Old Drift. And who is it by? Uh, Namwali Serpel. All right. Uh, so I'm going to recommend a quote-unquote classic, I guess, but it is a slightly more obscure classic. It's not the kind of thing that you would probably be forced to read in high school. Uh, I'm going to recommend Death Comes for the Archbishop by Willa Cather. Right. Um, which is, uh, a book that I love a lot. It is, so it is about, um, the first bishop of the Diocese of New Mexico. Uh, and, and sort of his life. Um, mm-hmm. so it is, it is sort of semi-fictional uh-huh. in that it is about a real person who actually existed, um, whose name was Jean-Marie Latour, uh, and, and an actual thing that happened, which was him going out to what was then, like, the territory of New Mexico and establishing a, like the Catholic Church's presence there, um, and but it, most of the stuff that happens in the book is fictional or fictionalized. Yeah, um, and so it is a really 
fascinating book, both about that time period and about that sort of thing, um, and about, like, what religion means to people, and also the relationship between, like, missionaries and the native people in the places that they, they go to, um... And it's, it's, it's super interesting. It's got a lot of, it's, it's, it's really dense and it's been a while since I've read it. Um, but it's, 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 it's got a lot of, of stuff going on in it and a lot of, of, um, it's, it's sort of an interesting companion piece to a book that I recommended on this podcast previously, Monte You, The Promised Land of Error, uh, which is also about the, like, religion in a small town, but it's about medieval, uh, Catholic oh, yeah, heresies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about medieval Catholic heresies in the 13th century, um, 13th and 14th centuries. Um, whereas this is about sort of Catholicism and its relationship with Native American religions in the 19th century. Um, what was the title again? Death Comes for the Archbishop by Willa Cather, who also wrote, uh, I think a lot of people are more familiar with Willa Cather's book, O Pioneers. Yeah, I, uh, I I don't think I've read anything by Willa Cather, but I I'm, I'm familiar with. Yeah, so uh, so that's my recommendation. Um, it's my it's my turn. Yeah. So I pick. mentioned I mentioned before that um, we could pick this with Mirai. Obviously, if you did that, that wouldn't count as your pick. That then the month after would be back to you. Yeah, I think maybe uh, we should do Mirai for your next pick. Because um, I kind of want to watch something different. Oh yeah, for, for sure. Um, yeah, so I mean, we, I, we, we, we don't have to watch Mariah at all. Yeah, I would. I, I want to watch Mariah because I've heard it's really good. Um, but I think that would be a little bit better to give a little more space between it because sure. I didn't even think about Mariah. Um, the movie that I wanted to watch is Night Is Short, Walk On Girl. Uh, oh yeah, I've heard of that. Which fuck? Who? I should have looked up who directed it. <laughs> um. Uh, Masaki Yuasa is, so yes, yeah, so A Night is Short Walk on Girl is a sort of vaguely, from what I understand, I haven't seen it, um, but it is a sort of vaguely surreal um, movie about a night on the town, um, and, and sort of partying and meeting strange people, and... Um, I think it'll be interesting. I think it'll. I think it'll be a fun watch. Uh, I've been wanting to watch this for a little while. Um, so yeah, I don't really have anything else to say about it because I don't know a ton about it. I'm sort of going into this blind, just on the recommendation of some friends, including our, including friend of the show, GD Car. <gasps> GD Car. Is this the first uh, one we've watched where neither of us have seen it? Ghost in the Shell. Oh, okay. Neither of us have seen that, uh, and neither of us had seen the uh, the Ava rebuilds. Oh well, well uh, I know. But that's yeah, slightly um, different. Yeah, and neither of us, and neither of us seen Gunbuster. Gunbuster. Yeah. All right. I my okay. I'm. I forgot yeah. what the podcast. Yes. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you for listening, uh, everybody. Uh, we'll be back in another month with Nighty Short Walk on Girl. Um, I hope you've all enjoyed. Uh, if you would like to get in contact with us about anything we've said on this program, send in questions, send in comments, anything lawsuits, about lawsuits, death threats, um, you can contact well, I'm, us. I'm at... already dying, right? So <laughs> yeah, you're slowly dying from plot from terminal plot brain. Uh, <laughs> Don't bother with me. 
Send send them to <laughs> send them to Cass. Uh, you can send them to you can send them to animeisforjerks at gmail dot com. Uh, we've still never received an email to that address, but I we <laughs> I keep hoping. Um, <laughs> Uh, you can also find the show on Twitter at Animated for Jerks, on Mastodon at Animated for Jerks, at Skeleton.cool. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Prophet underscore Goddess. You can find me on Mastodon at Prophet underscore Goddess at Skeleton.cool. Uh, you can find my the video games that I make at ProfitGoddess.itch.io. You can watch me live stream video games at Twitch.tv slash Prophet underscore Goddess. Yeah. Where right. people find you online? Uh, let's see, on Twitter, you can find me at Dun Dun Dun. That's D U N N. That's I don't know what that word means, but it sounds funny. <laughs> uh, now that my normie friends found out about this podcast, I don't know if I want to mention my mastodon, but I will anyway. Do it, coward. It's, uh, Catalina at selfie.army. Selfie with a Y. And we'll see you next month. Yes, we'll see you. We won't well. see you. Well, you'll 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 hear from us, and we will receive not hear no from reply. you because you won't write us emails. <laughs> this has to be a two way street, guys. Yeah, communication is a two way street. We've been shouting into the void for too long. <laughs> Alrighty. Alright, goodbye. Bye.